Hello, my name is Teresa Calvano and I'm the head of the technology practice at Ruth Pedersen Public Affairs Brussels. You are listening to Europe's Digital Frontrunners, a podcast series brought to you by Ruth Pedersen to explore the D9 Plus group. As you may know, this is an informal alliance of the digital ministers of some EU member states that want to promote utilization, implementation and sharing of best practices of digitalization. These countries are driving the EU tech agenda, and that's why we're eager to hear their voices. Uh, thank you, Teresa. Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of this uh, series of podcasts on uh, Europe's digital frontrunners. Uh, I am Claudio Murri. I'm the senior advisor at uh, Ruth Pedersen Public Affairs in Brussels. And today I'm here with uh, Ulrich Trolles-Med, is uh, the senior technology advisor to Denmark's tech ambassador and, and the team leader of, of the ambassador's team in Copenhagen. So thank you for joining us, uh, Ulrich. Thank you very much, Claudio. I'm glad to be here. So in this series of podcasts, um, so far we've focused on the D9 plus uh, countries and how they're driving the, the EU tech's agenda. And we looked at uh, some of the key priorities of a number of the individual members of this group. So today we are with Denmark, which is part of the D9 Plus from the start. Denmark has pioneered a concept that they call tech diplomacy. Uh, so Ulrich, yours was the first country in the world that appointed a tech ambassador. And the role of this ambassador is part of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. So it's, it's part of the traditional diplomatic um, activities of your countries. Um, but it means that technology and digitalization are really an integral part of your foreign policy, which I think is, is quite a new way of looking at technology uh, policy. So I, I would be very interested in hearing from you uh, why your country felt this need to, to make this innovative decision. And in practice, how would you describe your work uh, in the tech ambassador's office? Uh, is it very different, for example, from the role of a, of a technology envoy in one of the various embassies that you have in other parts of the world? That's a very good question, Claudio. I think um, to get to the bottom of it, we have to go back to, to 2017, uh, which is when the uh, tech ambassador's office in Silicon Valley uh, was established and Denmark established sort of a, um, a de facto strategy and policy for uh, the Denmark's uh, tech diplomacy. Uh, it was a time when we were all coming out of uh, the positive sides of uh, of technology. We'd seen uh, how uh, the world had become a lot better, um, but also there were more and more cases of how uh, there was a, a shadow side or a dark side of technology that was evolving. It would be disinformation. It would be uh, the monopolistic uh, practices that we were seeing from some platforms. It would be uh, cyber attacks and so on. And I think uh, back then in 2017, we were a lot more uh, positive still about what we could achieve with technology. But um, over the years with Cambridge Analytica, with uh, all the controversies around 5G security and all, we became a little more um, realistic. Uh, and I think that's where uh, Denmark uh, stepped in last year and said, we need a new strategy for uh, our technolo technological diplomacy, our tech diplomacy. Uh, and we looked at the facts then. We could see that following the COVID crisis, uh, 
tech giants made up eight out of 10 of the world's biggest companies measured in market valuation, and they're still, still growing. We could see that over the past 10 years, our internet freedom and ratio of democracies were had decreased. Um, and, and last year alone, uh, civil society documented 155 shutdowns across 29 countries. And I could go on, you know, with this information, with quantum uh, computing and and with how, you know, I think we also all were a bit uh, stunned by, for instance, uh, the the censoring of, of the US president on uh, on Twitter uh, last year, uh, sorry, this year uh, in January uh, and how that, uh, you know, decision was made by one person um, de facto. Um, all of these things, um, put together a picture that tech companies, tech giants uh, that are so massive in, in scale, uh, we have technology, uh, technology everywhere today. And all citizens are using it daily, whether they are in the global north or in the global south. It has an enormous influence on us and our daily lives. So we need to be in there and, uh, and, and tell the tech companies that how they're influencing us and uh, how we would like them to work uh, for democracy rather than undermine it. Well, that's, uh, that's very, very interesting. I mean, um, so you, you, you start from 2017 and now we're at the end of 2021. Uh, what is your experience? How, how, how did this initiative work? And I see that you have uh, very recently hosted uh, a summit, a, a multi-stakeholder dialogue. Uh, you call it the, the Tech for Democracy initiative. Uh, so um, you see any progress uh, that you have achieved uh, through this instrument and through your diplomatic efforts um, to address the issues that you just described? Well, I think uh, as with all things in foreign policy, things take time. Uh, indeed, we uh, we have achieved a lot, I think, from uh, from Denmark and in the tech uh, diplomacy over the years since 2017. Uh, and now uh, we're realizing that we we need to step it up a bit. Uh, we need to to broaden the uh, perspective of technology uh, as being part of the foreign policy across all of government in Denmark. So we are working very closely with our, from our tech office in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, with the Ministry of Business, with the Ministry of Higher Sciences and Education, with the Ministry of, of uh, Education and Children uh, and so on, because we know uh, that uh, the more technology uh, is part of uh, due, due politics and the geopolitical uh, conditions that we see today, uh, the more uh, it is influencing our societies in general, the more it will be picked up in the EU and the more it will spread across our uh, wide government efforts. Uh, and we need to be there to help translate how the tech giants are thinking, what they're doing and what they're not doing, uh, how they're influencing and how they're not influencing us. Uh, so we make the right policy decisions back here in, De in Denmark, in Copenhagen, as well as uh, uh, put forward a realistic line in uh, Brussels. So it's interesting for me, you, you, you keep uh, you talk about, you refer to these companies, the technology giants and um, and how they are taking um, a role almost in, in, in shaping policy, the role that should be uh, the exclusive priority of, of the government. I have two questions here. Like one is, while when you establish a, a formal 
diplomatic um, presence vis-a-vis uh, -vis in Silicon Valley, vis-a-vis -vis these technology giants, uh, wouldn't she give them almost the same uh, uh, role as a government um, or the same sort of dignity as a government? The, the other question is, for, for me, yes, I mean, these companies have a, a, an amazing power. Is it right to focus a lot of our effort on, on this particular companies um, and not, for example, on, on the users of technologies? In certain instances, let's say artificial intelligence or, or, or many others, some of the most dangerous uses of technologies could be done by other actors, including governments. So, so what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think to uh, to answer your first question, you know, uh, why why did we put the uh, the embassy in Silicon Valley? Why not in Washington or why not in, in Shenzhen in China or somewhere where well, we do actually have an office in, in China? That's uh, another another question. Um, well, we put it where the development was. Um, we could see that uh, in Silicon Valley, it's inevitable that uh, these um, these tech giants uh, would continue to develop uh, and there would be more of them. And uh, we already had a good relationship with the United States, so it seemed like the right place to be. Um, putting an embassy on the ground in Silicon Valley next to the headquarters of, of Facebook, now Meta, and Google, and Microsoft, and so, does that make, us, uh, make them into state actors? No, it certainly doesn't. Um, it, it just acknowledges the fact that they are having an, an influence on our societies, on our citizens, our, uh, our companies and our values uh, and how our values are translated into the digital era. So what we want to do is to bring back democratic governments into the driver's seat uh, again. And uh, we're actually getting a lot of uh, positive feedback from the companies in doing that. They're recognizing that, uh, that over the years, uh, their technology has, um, has created a lot of benefits for people and it still does, uh, but it can also be mis, uh, misused or abused by, uh, by malicious actors. It can create unintended uh, uh, problems uh, for us. I mean, looking at Europe, you have uh, 27, former 28 different member states that all have a different culture, that all have a different history and, and certainly uh, has, um, has also tried to tell that to the tech giants. Uh, but but when, you, when you talk to people uh, working for them in, in Europe, uh, you, you talk to the public affairs managers, you don't get to, to speak on an HQ level where you uh, get to talk to the people who can actually make decisions uh, and change how uh, the uh, companies are working. Let me just briefly uh, comment on, on the Tech for Democracy initiative, because I, I think that's a great um, example of, of how we brought together uh, the most important stakeholders uh, in, in this new initiative. Basically, uh, the Tech for Democracy uh, initiative was an effort to create uh, both a political platform for, for leaders uh, that we will uh, take forward into a commitment called the Copenhagen Pledge on Tech for Democracy. Uh, so we're inviting all uh, governments, civil society organizations and institutions and tech companies to come together and sign this pledge um, because we feel there's a joint responsibility in developing and promoting uh, technology that can benefit democracy. And we think we all came from a place, place where, where democracy uh, actually fertilized the ground for this kind of technology. Second, uh, it was uh, a platform, and it is a platform, 
to uh, create and promote new action coalitions. And these are basically uh, coming together and saying, uh, we have a pledge, uh, we have some ideas about what we want to achieve, the world we want to achieve, but how do we do it? Uh, and uh, the initiative can be taken by civil society organizations or institutions or governments, but they all need to come together to, to solve the different problems. Uh, I can give you some examples later, um, but, but let me just say that these will be running into uh, our coming year of action to, uh, to implement uh, the pledge. And finally, uh, we of course had the, the event itself uh, where we had, uh, you know, Vice President uh, Eurova, we had, uh, we had Nick Clegg uh, and uh, Nobel Peace Prize uh, winner uh, Maria Ressa, um, all sort of hosted by our Danish uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs and Minister of Development. And um, we had voices coming in from across the world. I mean, uh, it was Asia, uh, Africa, Latin America, Europe, and North America to to voice how all the needs that we have there out there that we need to that we need to address. Uh, so that's the platform that uh, Tech for Democracy created that will be taking into a high, series of high level events uh, in the coming year of action. Well, you, you mentioned uh, in, in many occasions the, the EU and what the EU is doing, and uh, you have quite an experience. Uh, you, you also worked in Brussels at cabinet level with uh, then uh, Commissioner uh, for Security Union, Mr. Julian King. Europe has developed uh, under this uh, current uh, term uh, the, the, the concept of digital sovereignty and uh, or technology self-reliance or, or technology resilience. I mean, you have various you know, ways of describing this idea. The way um, I see it, though, I, that they are trying to pursue this from a regulatory point of view, especially in, in digital policy, by setting the standards rather than following other people's standards. The current uh, legislative um, agenda looks at the, uh, the Digital Services Act, the Digital Markets Act, at how to you, uh, you reign the power of technology giants through uh, competition policy. Um, I also saw um, a, a quotation from your uh, Foreign Affairs Minister, Mr. Crawford. Uh, it's not super recent, but I guess it's still valid. He said, uh, that we in Europe have been too naive for too long about the technology revolution. It seems to me that Denmark is taking the leadership in, in a different way of approaching this, this subject. So not necessarily only focus on the policy on how to regulate the markets, but, but really uh, addressing it from an angle of the foreign uh, policy for a common foreign security policy. Are, are, you, are you seeing other countries in the EU following your lead, I mean, uh, what you described as uh, uh, what you achieved through your uh, Technology for Democracy uh, Summit was quite impressive. Do, do you see your effort starting to produce some followers? Where to start? These are very big questions, uh, but but I'll, I'll try and uh, take them maybe a little bit at a time here. I think, yes, Denmark has um, uh, a strong ambition to to not only regulate uh, technology where there is a need, um, and I, we can come, come back to where there is a need, but also to create that dialogue uh, with the tech companies. Because seeing 
that they have this enormous influence on our democratic societies, they have also recognized that they need to do something. And I think what what so what Denmark is doing is tying together all those different uh, bolts and uh, nuts and pieces that we've been uh, talking about over the past maybe five or six or seven years into uh, a series of initiatives. I mean, the first one is, of course, the tech strategy uh, for Denmark's diplomacy, tech diplomacy. But the second one is also the uh, white paper that we made this uh, this year in June, uh, launched by our prime minister on how we want to, uh, what kind of a society we want to achieve uh, with tech companies and the tech giants in particular. It has nine principles uh, that we want to, to see through uh, during this government. And we can get back to that. Uh, a third initiative that we have we've launched is, of course, the uh, idea of developing an EU external digital policy that can tie together all the different legislative theses that you just uh, mentioned and all the efforts that are going on the side to ensure that the EU has a bigger role to play on the global stage when it comes to technology and discussions on technology. I can just say We've all heard about the Brussels effect, uh, and it's certainly there. Um, but how strong is it? And how strong is it in uh, in a time when, when the United States, when China, when a lot of other uh, great powers or, or, or nations are leaning into uh, technology and that area and, and, and sort of capturing technology as part of geopolitics? Uh, we need to be much more aware that our Brussels effect, if it is there, is by design and not by default. I mean, we were lucky in a sense that our uh, the GDPR, for instance, became a standard across the world, not only because it was uh, a good piece of, of legislation that was needed out there, but also because uh, it was it was something that we could push much more behind perhaps. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to ensure that if we do good legislation in Europe, that we do uh, that we do it by design, that we by design also uh, promote it across the world. Um, does that mean that we want to want to be the only one setting the standard? No, it doesn't. Uh, it just means that we we want to uh, see a global uh, tech governance that is more based on uh, the values that we share with uh, other nations uh, and other. Um, other places in the world, be that in Australia or in North America or uh, or elsewhere. Well, you, you mentioned uh, China again. It's uh, I would say it's probably the, if I, if I can say so, the, the elephant in the room that cannot be ignored. I mean, um, a lot of times when we talk about technology giants, we, we always think about Silicon Valley, but China is uh, coming up very, very strongly creating their own um, technologies and their own companies that are uh, you know, massive. I, I find it interesting, and maybe maybe I'm reading too much into it, that, that you open your office in Beijing. You just said about the US that you, you, know, you decided not to open in Washington, but in Silicon Valley. It, it almost seems to say that whereas in the US, the technology companies made their own decision, in China, the decisions eventually are driven by the government, and so you have to be in Beijing. But But maybe this is my you know, my exaggeration, but but China has a different approach. I mean, Europe uh, is always going back to look at its fundamental value and, and, and all the actions are driven by those, uh, by our values and principles. So, for example, the, the, the initiative of the European Commission on Artificial Intelligence is always driven by these fundamental values. 
China has a different approach. Innovation uh, is very, very linked to their economic progress, uh, which is which is their, um, their their key focus. So, how how do you see uh, how how is it working? Uh, your initiative in in Beijing. How is the relationship between Denmark and China, uh, the EU and China? Is, is there a possibility of uh, uh, of open dialogue and collaboration there? Well, I think, uh, first of all, I can say it's been hot during COVID uh, times. When you can't travel there, it's, uh, it, it makes it uh, difficult to have a, uh, a deeper conversation with, uh, with, with Chinese companies. Why, why are we based in, in, in Beijing and as well? Why do we have an office there? Well, because uh, we realize or we recognize that uh, tech development is not only about uh, platforms uh, in Silicon Valley, and it's not only about tech development in Silicon Valley. It happens everywhere in the world. But it does uh, tend to, to gravitate towards uh, a couple of places. And Silicon Valley is one, uh, and, and Shenzhen in China is another. And so that's why we, uh, we, we've had, a, had an office uh, in China for a, a good while. And the tech giants there uh, will inevitably come to Europe as well. Or if not, then they will at least come to the friends and allies and partners that we have across the world. And that brings me back to why we need a stronger external uh, digital policy for the EU. I think we recognize China, as, as has been said in the EU strategy, as, as both a partner and uh, a competitor and a systemic rival. Uh, it's, uh, we can speak long uh, about uh, why that is, but basically we need to, to be aware of all three. That's why, uh, from a Danish point of view, we need uh, the EU to step up the game and we need to tie together different uh, policies across uh, the EU's um, institutional affairs. And I think first we need to champion uh, the human rights and democratic principles that we, uh, that we see um, in, in the EU. Uh, and that includes making uh, the EU's world-leading democracy fit for the digital era. Second, uh, we need partnerships because we cannot do this alone. Uh, the uh, Trade and Tech uh, Technology uh, Council is, is one good example uh, of how we can do that. Uh, but we also need to do something uh, more, uh, you know, on our own from the EU. So designing the digital economy packages with emerging democracies has been mentioned. Uh, I think Denmark is very strongly behind that idea. Third, we need the fairness uh, from the uh, from the tech giants, and that's not only in Europe, but also across the world. Uh, I mean, when you see uh, Meta or, or Facebook creating the opportunity for a lot of uh, citizens across the world to access uh, internet through uh, the Facebook or, or app, that is that is very positive. But it also creates a lot of questions, uh, and we need to to be aware that these tech giants will be fair to, to citizens uh, in, in third countries uh, in relation to the EU as well. Fourth and final, security. Uh, we must make sure that technology supports the security of our citizens, including through structured collaboration with the uh, tech giants, um, but also with like-minded countries. We need to look after our supply chains and our cybersecurity. So that's why uh, we invited the EAS and the European Commission to formulate this uh, ambitious uh, European external digital policy with guidance from member states, of course. And it's something we'll be following up uh, in the coming months. Uh, I think we expect uh, that there will be council conclusions on this uh, sometime early in the next year. 
I, I really like your uh, your description of China as sometimes a partner, sometimes a competitor, sometimes a uh, systemic uh, threat, which is uh, something that can be applied to to almost anybody. It's uh, there, there is a especially in the media a, a narrative that that tries to still frame things into um, friends and enemies, and who is our friend and who is our enemy, and the, and the reply is always like, well, it depends on on the various aspects and and certainly this can be said also of the us i mean the the transatlantic relationship is is much uh, more established uh, from a longer time we do share uh, some fundamental values i mean the democratic values um on the other hand uh, we are competitors and um, uh, you know you see the us government for example uh, lobbying uh, on behalf of, of, of their industry as, as it is uh, you know, quite appropriate for them to do on on some of the technology initiatives. At the same time, we've just established a um, a trade and technology council uh, to to work on some of the, of these issues together. Um, I don't know if if you see any potential of this uh, TTC to uh, to be part of your tech diplomacy initiative. I, I think first of all, uh, the trade and technology council is a uh, is a fantastic invention, and from uh, from Denmark, we've been we've been uh, strong supporters of this, uh, of this from the beginning. It has both a political and uh, a working level platform, uh, and and I think that's um, the working level platform is really going to be the most important part of it, uh, because we have a lot of political platforms for technology already. We do need uh, everyone to commit on a political level. But then the nuts and bolts that are going to be discussed uh, on the working level uh, is where I see the most potential, I think, uh, from the TTC. So I think in general with uh, the United States, uh, there's no doubt at all that we share the fundamental values of democracy uh, and of human rights uh, and, and, and the freedoms uh, uh, related to that. But you're right. We may differ on uh, one, how we achieve them and how we protect them and we may differ on some economic interests and there's no shame in that i think we all want to have uh, great companies we all want to have a little bit of influence on how they're influencing our societies but that's with an arm's length it's not about having certain political uh, forces implemented into them uh, and that's a very different uh, concept uh, of regulating a society of enabling freedoms for companies for citizens so that's not the direction we want to go in and i think that uh, creates a, a quite stark contrast um, to to what we see elsewhere uh, i think as you said one can be partners, one can be competitors, and one can be rivals. And it all depends on the question at hand. So if we see a movement, if we see different countries changing their, their, their positions on how they do things, then we will certainly also change our position, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, I'm not the one to, to, to push the button or to say uh, when that happens, um, but, but I could see that uh, on the horizon. Well, thank you. Thank you, Rick, uh, for your very interesting uh, perspective on, on this topic. I, I think that in Brussels, we sometimes get so fixated on the details of, of individual uh, legislation uh, on, on technology topics, and, and it's refreshing sometimes to look at these issues from, from a different angle. You certainly gave us a lot of food for thought. I, I hope that we will stay in touch. We can catch up soon. I, I, I wish you all the best for your efforts and uh, 
it's it's great to see countries like Denmark take, taking such a strong uh, global leadership. Thank you very much, Claudio, and thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Uh, it, it was uh, a pleasure, and I can only say I know you're very knowledgeable on this. I'm sure there's a lot of knowledgeable listeners out there, uh, so uh, so maybe we'll have the chance to go a little deeper into all the things that we've been ice skating across now uh, sometime in the future, and happy to come back and give a status at some point of uh, how we're implementing our strategy. Uh, we have 29 KPIs, uh, key performance indicators that we want to achieve, uh, and uh, that's before the end of 2023. So please keep us up on that, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll keep you informed. Absolutely, and, and since you mentioned our listener, I would like to thank them as well. I hope you uh enjoyed this conversation and uh, will join us for the next ones. And also, uh, if you want to go and listen or re-listen to the previous ones, uh, they're, they're also on, on our website, so feel free to do so. Thank you very much.